Uh, If you have your copy of God's Word, we're reading from the book of John, chapter 10. It'll be on the screen as well. John, chapter 10. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And we'll go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He was a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing For the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon, and he is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of the one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon... Open the eyes of the blind. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for this book, the only book in the universe that when we read it, it reads us. Father, we pray now you would come with your word, the word of God to the people of God. And as the man of God comes, would you anoint him with a fresh anointing that he may speak these words to us? Would you give all in this room ears to hear what the Spirit would say to us. We pray in the name of our good shepherd, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Muted it. There we go. All right. Well, I've said a few things already, Um, but I would like to tell you this morning that I love you and I love this church. I know I've not been able to be here much on Sundays. There's things that come with being a pastor. Uh, Don't don't get to travel much on weekends, Uh, but I love this church. I'm so thankful for the ways that you love my family Uh, and we have felt so loved by you this year. And uh, we have felt your prayers. The Lord has brought us through a lot uh, in 2017. And uh, one of the chief means of grace to us this year has been 
the Lord's people and the Lord's people praying for us. And so thank you for praying for us. The Lord has answered prayers that we didn't even know to pray at this point uh, when it comes to my health and our family. And so thank you again uh, from all the Pew clan. Uh, I'm humbled and honored to be here, to be in this pulpit. A lot of my heroes and favorite people in the world uh, get to preach regularly from uh, this pulpit, but I am the last and the least in the Pew clan, kind of like Gideon. Uh, the last and the least. That's probably why they gave me a holiday weekend to preach on. Uh, you know, you, you call the ace out of the bullpen on New Year's Eve uh, to, to come and preach. But no matter when I get to preach, I'm glad I get to end 2017 with you guys. And as we end 2017, was, was praying. It's really difficult when you're just asked to preach and kind of fill in and can preach them anywhere. Uh, but felt drawn towards John 10, found out last week, looked at John 11. So going backwards this week. But want us to think about this morning of whose voice do you follow? Whose voice do you follow? We're all following someone. And we live in a culture of 24 hour news cycle where people are calling out all over the place for you to follow their voice. Again, Fox News, CNN, fill in the blank of who you like to watch and listen to, politicians, TV preachers, all these people want to be the authoritative voice in your life but whose voice do you follow? This week, our oldest had strep throat early in the week, actually kept us from coming as as quickly as he wanted to to Tuscaloosa to spend time with family. And so all of you would have judged us for how many movies our kids watched early in the week with with sick kids, but we watched, I know I'm a little late to the party, but Moana for the first time this week. And, uh, and quickly realized that this is just like almost every other Disney movie that came before, uh, just different characters. And, and part of that was I realized that when this grandmother is singing this song, telling her, don't, don't worry about what your dad has to say. Follow the inner voice inside of you. That that's what's important is you listen to this inner voice. So we all have a voice of authority. It may even be yourself. But who is the voice at the end of the day that you listen to and you respond to? Jesus uses this picture of sheep and doors, thieves and robbers, and a good shepherd to force us to examine our hearts. And I think answer this question this morning. Who do you listen to? Whose voice do you follow? Jesus says in verse six that this is a figure of speech he's giving. This is a word picture he's giving to us this morning. A word picture of a sheepfold. And if we're going to understand this word picture that Jesus is giving to us, we got to understand with a sheepfold. And I assume most of you are like me and not experts on ancient Near Eastern shepherds and and sheepfolds this morning. And and we got to understand this picture of a sheepfold if we're going to understand the theological significance of what Jesus is communicating. So this picture of a sheepfold is shepherds would go and they would have their sheep and they would build these sheepfolds of rocks. They would stack rocks on top of one another and build this wall and they would just leave a little opening, a little opening that was only large enough for one sheep to pass through at a time so they could count their sheep as they came in and out and only big enough so that the shepherd himself could lay down in the door of this sheepfold to make sure that nothing could get in or out. No thieves or robbers or wolves could come in and attack the sheep without coming through him. So he would stack up these rocks. He would put 
on top of it, some thorns around the top, kind of like barbed wire as a reverse prison to make sure thieves and robbers and wolves couldn't get in to protect. So this is what a sheepfold was. This is what, again, Jesus hearers would have understood as soon as he started talking about this sheepfold. But for us, we we may have a little difficulty. So this is the scene here, but let's look at the shepherd. Let's look at what Jesus has to say to us in this text. Look at verse one and two with me. He actually begins by contrasting himself with these false shepherds. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, if you're familiar with the Bible, familiar with the gospels, when Jesus says that, you should listen to everything he says, but especially when he says this, right? Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. So Jesus is saying, if anyone tries to come in by any other way than this little door in the sheepfold, that person is a thief and a robber. That person is dangerous. The gatekeeper Jesus mentions here, sometimes the shepherd would have to go away, maybe just to take a nap, have to go away to nurse a sheep back to health, have to go away to chase after one of the wandering sheep, would have to get a trustworthy gatekeeper whose one job was to make sure he didn't let anybody in but the shepherd. Jesus says, that's the only person that the gatekeeper opens to, this true shepherd. If anybody else tries to get in, this person's a thief and a robber. The gatekeeper is there to recognize and to let the shepherd come in. But it's not just the gatekeeper that recognizes the shepherd. Look, Look at the end of verse three. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. Jesus' sheep hear his voice. The sheep hear the voice of the shepherd and follow him. Sometimes several shepherds would get in together and build a big sheepfold and have multiple flocks in one sheepfold together. And the next morning when they got up and it's time to go out and graze, you had all these sheep with all these different shepherds in this sheepfold. And so they're all mixed in. And the ways that sheep would come to their shepherd is the shepherd would simply call out. All these shepherds spoke the same language. They all probably had similar accents being from the same area, but still the sheep could recognize the voice of the shepherd and follow them. There are a few sounds that are more nostalgic than me than a high school basketball gym. And so grew up playing basketball, seventh grade through my senior year, played for the school, was the lone white boy, came in to shoot threes and free throws in the game. So I had got a lot, I got dad's at, or competitiveness, but not his athletic ability. Got much more Therese Pugh's at lack of athletic ability. So I was just the, the little white boy that had my role to play, uh, but would get in the game sometimes. And again, no matter how loud the gym was, not only did I know my dad's voice, but I knew his whistle. And he would normally sit on the top row And again, all the noises of a high school gym, if dad wanted to get my attention, all he had to do was give this little whistle and I would immediately look up to him. Again, I knew my dad's voice, but I also knew his whistle. Sheep know the voice of their shepherd. Sheep can distinguish the voice of the one who's calling out to them, their good shepherd. Whose voice do you respond to? Who is your authority? Again, is it your parents? Kyle Shoes, is it this professor who you think is smarter than your parents or your pastors? Is it popular opinion? Whatever the majority says, is, is this whose voice you follow? 
I'm telling you this morning, my my argument for you this morning is that if your voice of authority is not Jesus and his word, no matter how much your authority may seem to get right, in the end, this person, this opinion is going to end up leading you in the wrong direction. Jesus goes on further to explain who he is in verse four and five. Look at this with me. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. So there's, I think, some really important application for us, some takeaways for us from these couple verses here. First, I think this is clearly a call to follow Jesus here, but this is also a call to discernment. You must know the shepherd's voice and be able to distinguish the voice of the shepherd from the voice of pretenders. The voice of pretenders will get you killed. So I'm not a hunter. I was born in Jackson, Alabama and South Alabama where, again, everyone just wears camouflage there all the time. Bunch of hunters there, but I didn't stick around long enough to become a hunter. But I've got a family uh, that has a lot of hunters in it. A lot of them actually are coming here tomorrow. An uncle that owns a hunting lodge. And one of the things I know about turkey hunting is the way that you hunt turkeys is by having a turkey call, right? You, you call turkeys by trying to sound as much like a turkey as you can. And the way that you get the turkeys to come out is using this turkey call, and they think that you're a turkey if you're good at it, and you start picking them off, right, as soon as they come out. If you are good, you can kill a lot of turkeys by being a good pretender, right? We as sheep must know the difference between the voice of our shepherd and the voice of pretenders. Hear me this morning. Some of the most dangerous things in this world for you as a Christian have the label Christian on them. I remember in seminary, one of my professors said, this will date when I was in seminary. I don't think the show is still on, but he said, I would rather my kids watch Desperate Housewives than most Christian TV because at least they know that desperate housewives is wrong. One of the most dangerous things is we have all these things coming for us that have the label Christian on them and we accept them without having a level of discernment to discern what is true and what is ever. You can't can't just turn off your discernment because it says Christian. Actually, I think in the end, these things that are labeled Christian can be more dangerous because they're often half-truths that are really lies, that have the appearance of light and life, but end up leading to darkness and death. False teachers love to use biblical words and have biblical vocabulary, but use different dictionaries. This is the way that heretics have often worked through the history of the church. Again, to come in and use biblical language, Christian language, but deceive, try to deceive the people of God. We've got preachers on TV. We have politicians that want to appeal to you, that feel like they can get you evangelicals to do whatever they want you to do as long as they say certain things, as long as they use certain words. We must be more discerning. Know this, sheep are dumb. They don't know much, but sheep must know their shepherd's voice. Sheep are dumb and don't know much, but sheep must know their shepherd's voice. 
We must know the voice of Jesus, the good shepherd, the true shepherd, so we don't get picked off by pretenders. We must know the word. This year, 2017, was the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation, where we celebrated Luther nailing these 95 theses on the door of Castle Church in Wittenberg and sparking the Protestant Reformation. I was actually able to be there in Wittenberg on the anniversary, the 500th anniversary. It was, it was one of the coolest experiences of my life. But more than Luther nailing these 95 theses on the door, the most important thing that happened in the Reformation was a recovery of the authority of the scriptures, of the Bible being what is central as the authority in the life of the church. This is what we must rediscover as well. If we're gonna be faithful, we must have the scriptures be our guide, our authority. What Luther did to really spark the Reformation, the best thing he did was translate the Bible into the language of the German people. He, he risked his life. He lived as an outlaw because he translated the Bible into the language of the people so they could have the Bible themselves. You need to know that there is people who died. John Wycliffe, the person who originally translated the Bible into English, died, was burned at the stake so that you can have what you have before you. This must be our authority. Maybe a good question. Can you be a faithful Christian and not read your Bible every day? I think the answer is actually yes. Because... The majority of Christians through the history of the church either didn't own a personal Bible or were illiterate. So is it possible? Yes. I mean, the majority of Christians, I think, have done that. But I think the majority of Christians in the history of the church would give a limb off their body to have what we have today, to have the Bible in full, the scriptures in full. Why would you want to live a day in your Christian life without having the Bible, without having the words of Christ abiding in you, dwelling in you? that this is the means that the Lord uses to conform us more into the image of Christ. We must know the word, be able to distinguish the word from the voice of pretenders. Make this a goal for you. As I mentioned earlier, this Bible reading plan, make 2018 the, the year that you digest daily the scriptures. As an old British pastor say, just get in the way of grace this year. The means of grace, reading the Bible, praying, fellowship with the people of God, sitting under the preaching of the word. These are God's means of grace to us. As much as possible, get in the way of grace in 2018. Allow this to be what changes you. Get to know that there's an old preacher illustration. Many of them are not true, but I think this one is actually true. If you work in a bank and this isn't true, you can come correct me afterwards, but it's been used a lot. Is that the way that they train people that work in the banks to discern whether something is real currency or fake is mainly not by showing them a bunch of fake currency. The, the way that they train people to distinguish real from fake money is by getting them so familiar with real money that when they come across something that's not real, that they say, okay, I may not know what exactly is wrong with this, but something's wrong with this. That's how familiar you need to be with the Bible. That again, maybe when you hear something, you may say, okay, I don't know exactly what's wrong with that, but something's wrong with that. But in order to do that, you actually need to get to know the Bible. You, you may feel sometimes like you hear something and go, that's not right, but really that's just your feelings. You may not like that naturally in your flesh. And just because you call yourself a Christian, you don't like when you hear something doesn't mean that it's not true. 
If you read Jesus in the gospels, there's a lot of things that he says that I don't like, but I submit to because he's Lord and I'm not, right? You've got to know what the Bible says if we're going to faithfully follow him. We must know the voice of our shepherd and the voice of pretenders so we can distinguish and not get picked off by them. I think another application for us in this new year is that we should have confidence in sharing the gospel with people. Here, down in verse 16, Jesus says that I have sheep that are not yet of this fold, that they will hear my voice and they must come. They will hear and they must come. Often at the beginning of New Year's, we we talk about, again, New Year's resolutions. And for Christians, hopefully often those things have to do with spiritual disciplines, renewing your zeal for spiritual disciplines. And I think evangelism is actually a spiritual discipline. Sharing the gospel with people is a spiritual discipline. But it's often at the bottom of the list of spiritual disciplines we want to do, right? I mean, think about the list of spiritual disciplines, Uh, Maybe fasting, like not eating is more fun to you than opening your mouth and telling somebody about Jesus. But this is something that we must do as a people of God, right? We have good news to share with people. If you believe you have good news, you're going to share it, right? Here, again, we can have confidence in sharing this. Jesus saying, I have sheep that are out there that are not yet of this fold and they will hear my voice and they will come. They must come, Jesus says. This means you don't have to manipulate people into following Jesus. You don't have to lower the bar and try to make it easier for people to follow Jesus. We're just called to simply to speak the truth of the gospel and love to people, to share the good news with people, to do this with patience, Peter tells us, with gentleness, Don't be a jerk in doing it. Just simply share the gospel with people. Give them the message of the gospel. And Jesus is telling us here that his sheep will hear his voice and they must come. And they may respond on the first time they hear it or maybe the hundredth or the thousandth time. We as the people of God are just called to be faithful in sharing, to share the message of the shepherd to know that the message of the gospel is the message that the spirit uses for people to hear the shepherd's voice and respond. We're just called to be faithful. The message of the cross, Paul tells in 1 Corinthians 1, is foolishness to those who are perishing. When you share this message, it's going to be foolishness to the world. You don't have to try to dress it up to make it not foolishness to people. But to those who are being saved, it's the power of God. The spirit uses the message of the gospel to change people. We must be faithful in sharing it. And to know that some people are gonna be turned off by this. Again, Jesus, Jesus' opponents didn't get it. Look at verse six. Again, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. It's obvious because they weren't his sheep, right? They didn't get it. Verse 26 says, they, didn't, they don't believe because they're not my sheep. Some people aren't going to respond. The way that leads to death, Jesus says, is broad the way that leads to life is narrow, but he uses means for the advancement of the gospel. And you are those means. I'm about to start preaching through the book of Acts in a few months and been preparing for that. And one of the things that struck me in Acts is even when Jesus reveals himself to people, he doesn't share the gospel with people. He points them to other people to go and share the gospel with them. Jesus could reveal himself, 
We've got college students from the Middle East right now I'm getting updates from that Muslims coming to faith who've been having dreams and visions, but they, they didn't hear the gospel in these dreams and visions. These were preparations for our brothers and people to come and share the gospel with them and them come to faith in Jesus. You are the means the Lord's ordained. Again, dumb people like you and me, sheep like you and me that don't know much, but we know that Jesus is the only one who saves, right? And we are called to point people to him. Jesus makes it even clearer who he is in verse seven. Look at that with me. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. So not only is he the shepherd, again, the shepherd is the one who would lay down in the door to protect these sheep. He is this door. If you read the gospel of John, there's seven different I am statements in the gospel of John. And when Jesus is claiming to be I am, he's referencing back to Exodus chapter three, where the Lord reveals himself to Moses on the mountain and tells them to tell the people of Israel, the Hebrews, that I am sent you. So every time Jesus says, I am, he's claiming to be Yahweh. He's claiming to be God. And he attaches these different sayings with these I am statements, claiming, explaining to people who he is and what he came to do. And here he says, I am the door. And I got to see some of the most famous doors in the world, the doors of the castle church where Luther nailed these 95 theses and changed the world. But when we think about doors, they, they really aren't that exciting, Right? What is Jesus talking about? I am the door, especially when we think about doors being just this little open of rocks for sheep to go in and out of. But I think this idea of Jesus being the door is packed with significance for us. During the day, shepherds were out with their sheep as the the sheep grazed in the fields. But again, at night, the shepherd would lay down to make sure that no thieves or robbers or no wolves or anything else could come in without coming through him first. He didn't have sheepdog Sam, and some of you are old enough to, to come and clock in and help him, right? He is the one who had to take care of the sheep to make sure that the sheep were being cared for. He stood in the doorway as the sheep would come through and count them one by one. He slept in the doorway to make sure that nothing came in or out without coming through him. Jesus is telling us here, the only way you can safely enter the fold of God is by coming through him. The only way you can come into God's fold is by coming through Jesus. He makes this very clear in John 14. There's nobody that's coming to the father except through him. He's saying the same thing here. He is the door. What's the purpose of a door? There's actually multiple purposes of doors, but one purpose of a door is to create a division, right? Some people are on the inside of doors and some people on the outside of doors, right? Jesus creates a line of division. This is not a popular message in 2017 and then we have news for you. It's not gonna be popular in 2018 either. Jesus creates a division and this isn't new. Jesus did this in his day, Right? He created division wherever he went. Look down at verse 19. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. There's a division among the people. Many of them said, he has a demon is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of the one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of a blind man? Often following Jesus puts it, puts us at odds, even with our family and closest friends. 
This is what happened in John chapter nine with this man born blind. Jesus heals this man. They come to his parents and they're like, hey, we we don't wanna get in trouble because of Jesus. Go and talk to our son who was blind. We don't wanna get kicked out of the synagogue as well for, for being connected to this Jesus guy. Following Jesus will get you in trouble, often with those who are closest to you. You must count the cost. Is Jesus worth you leaving behind the things of this world, leaving behind sin, but also maybe leaving behind some relationships, some friends and family? When I was in seminary, I was a part of a church that had a a large internationals ministry and was a part of teaching ESL. And there was this one guy named Chin Jing, who was in my first ESL class, who was openly not a believer, but we became friends. And he ended up asking me like through conversation, if I would study the Bible with him. And that was the easiest question I had to answer all year. I was like, yes, I'll study the Bible with you. So we started going through the gospel of Mark together and spent a few months doing that. And I knew that Chin Jing was close to the kingdom when he started asking questions about what it was gonna cost him to follow Jesus, about what this meant for him with his family, about what this meant for him when he was going to go back to China one day, what this was going to cost to him. And, and thankfully, by the Lord's grace, he had eyes to see and ears to hear the voice of the good shepherd and to know that Jesus was worth giving up everything in this world in order to follow him. But Jesus creates this kind of division. And Jesus tells us that. He, he didn't come to create peace, but a sword, right? To separate often people within families from one another for his sake. Jesus creates this kind of division. He is calling all of us out of our old fold and into his fold. And I'm not sure what your old fold may be. It may be good old boy cultural Christianity where Christianity is just a bunch of do's and don'ts that Jesus is calling you out of this morning because that won't send you anywhere but to hell. Good old boy cultural Christianity doesn't save anybody. You may be skeptical of everything Jesus has to say. And Jesus is calling you to hear him this morning and to see that he alone is the truth. And you're not gonna know what ultimate reality is unless you follow him. You may be so enslaved to your sin, you couldn't imagine ever leaving it. Jesus calling you out of that and calling you into his fold. It will be hard and costly to leave whatever your old fold is. But in the end, it will be more costly not to. We must hear and heed his voice. To not enter his fold is to make a decision. We must hear the voice of the shepherd calling out to us this morning. But the main point of Jesus claiming to be the door is actually of that of being safety and protection for his people. Look at verse eight. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them, did not listen to the voice of pretenders, these religious leaders that were calling out. Verse nine, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus is referring to Psalm 23 we read earlier in the service together. This claim, this promise of peace and provision for those that are in the fold of God. No matter whether you're going through the valley of the shadow of death in this life, there's peace and provision for you in Jesus' fold. But there is one, Jesus says in verse 10, there is a thief who comes only to steal and kill and destroy. 
we learn from history. Again, on my trip to Germany, um, I not only saw a bunch of old Reformation sites, also got to go to the headquarters in Berlin of the Third Reich. And right across from the headquarters, there is a Holocaust museum there. And one of the things, again, that just struck me is there's often these political leaders, these shepherds, these saviors that are looked to, to bring us back to our former glory, that people look to and listen. But in the end, they find out that these people have actually only come to steal and kill and destroy. These people have actually only come to serve their own purposes. Thieves knew that the sheep would not listen to their voice. So in order to get what they wanted from the sheep, they would sneak into the sheepfold, slit the throat of the sheep and throw them over. And they would sell the wool and they would eat the flesh. This is what thieves would do. True shepherds care for the flock, but false ones only care about the fleece and the flesh, only care about their own purposes. In 2018, you need to know that you have an enemy that wants to destroy you this year. And you know someone is dangerous when their whole goal in life comes to hurt someone else, to kill someone else. That's when someone's really dangerous. And that's the kind of enemy the scriptures tell us we have. We must be aware of him and his schemes. But know there is a place that's safe. There's a place that's eternally safe for you. There's only one place. Then that's being in the fold of Jesus through faith. Turning from your sin, turning from the things of this world and trusting in Jesus. He promises peace and provision in his fold. Not only can Jesus protect you from death, but he is offering you life this morning. Look at the end of verse 10. I came contrasting himself with a thief who's come to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The world and the sin of this world will make promises to you. Voices will be calling out all around you this year, making promises to you, to satisfy you, to tell you you're gonna be unsatisfied if you look anywhere else but to where they're calling you. But know this, that the world always, sin always overpromises and underdelivers. I had the privilege of, of being with your high school students a few weeks ago. And one of the things I told them was that, that sin is a lot like Taco Bell. You know, Taco Bell's got that fourth meal that they advertise for. Again, it sounds good at midnight, but it'll make you miserable in the morning, right? This is what sin is. It has an appeal on the front end. And the, the insanity of it is that we know that Taco Bell does that, right? But we go back to it over and over and over again. You know that your sin has never satisfied you once in your life. But the insanity of sin is that you go back over and over again, thinking it's going to satisfy you this time. Jesus, on the other hand, the world over promises and under delivers. Jesus makes promises that are beyond what this world can understand or comprehend. But he delivers. He comes through. He promises you to be an heir in his kingdom. He promises you that you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. No matter whether you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death right now or not, his promises are true for you through faith. He 
answers. He is the only one who can save and satisfy. He's calling you this morning to hear and to heed his word, to respond to his voice. Jesus can make this offer of life because he has died for you. This is what he says in verse 11. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Shepherds weren't wusses that just like to cuddle with lambs. They were warriors because again, they, they looked over after dumb sheep. Their lives were always on the line because one of their sheep could wander off. Remember King David in 1 Samuel 17 tells about having to fight a bear, right? In order to protect his flock. This is what shepherds were. To have to defend, be ready to lay down their lives. But the goal of shepherds would have never been to die for their sheep, Right? Because if the shepherd dies for sheep, all the sheep are gonna die too. But Jesus is a different shepherd. Jesus is a different shepherd. He, as the good shepherd, intentionally lays down his life for his sheep. This is what he did on the cross, right? He, the good shepherd, this is before he goes to the cross. He's telling us he's going to die. He goes to the cross and takes on your sin, my sin, the wrath of God, the judgment of God for our sin. And he dies so that you can be forgiven and offered life. He defeats the power of death through his resurrection. So he, as the good shepherd, can offer you life this morning. Through Jesus' death, you're not exposed to be picked off by the enemy. You're actually protected. You're actually eternally saved. This is what he goes on to tell us, that you are in his hand and no one can snatch you out of it at the end of John 10. You're in the father's hand. No one can snatch you out. You're protected. You're eternally safe if you look to him in faith this morning. So as we begin this new year, whose voice are you following? Who are you looking to, to protect and save and satisfy you? I'm telling you this morning, if you're looking to anyone other than Jesus, you are going to be eternally unsatisfied. Jesus alone is the good shepherd. He died so that you might experience life. Why would you want to follow anyone else? Let me pray the Lord give us grace to hear and heed his word this morning. Father, we thank you that you have sent Jesus.